The following is a Mission Studios podcast. Coming to you pre-recorded and edited from Mission Studios, this is the Missionary Position Podcast. We believe that offense is taken, not given. That humor can be found in anything and everything. That owning your shit is more important than worrying about someone else's. It's Sunday, April 21st, and I spent the last couple weeks shaking, baking, and masturbating. I'm Jason, and this week AC is getting a well-deserved mani-pedi and massage, but without the happy ending. On this week's episode, we examine the bullshit around accusations. We sweat the small stuff, and find out if any rules or regulations exist for this damn PC culture stuff. So loop up, turn off the lights, lay down, and get ready for the hot poker of life right up the old anal track. This is episode 26. So, do you remember a few episodes ago, you and I were talking about those stupidest sayings out there? Yeah, we were talking about, like, common sayings we disagree with or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. One I was thinking about lately that was really pressing that I want to turn into a segment is don't sweat the small stuff. I'm probably going to put myself in the minority of people here, but that one makes me fucking mental because I completely disagree with it. Absolutely. How can you not sweat the small stuff? If you don't sweat the small stuff, the big stuff just becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Another way to look at it, too, is that there's really not much point in sweating the big stuff because I think the bigger the stuff is, the less influence we have over it. So, I mean, if you're going to sweat anything, I would say the small stuff is the best thing to sweat because the small stuff you've got a lot more control or influence over. Right. And the big stuff's just going to hurt you anyways. You know, I, I'll compare it to somebody throwing rocks at you. You know, somebody's throwing small rocks, you put your arms up so your face doesn't get hit. Yeah. But if somebody throws a brick at you, it doesn't matter where that fucker hits you, it's going to hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, sweat the big stuff. Or, no, <laughs> don't sweat the big stuff. <laughs> sweat the small stuff, because when the big stuff comes, there's nothing you can do. You're going to end up getting fucking hurt anyways. Well, let, let, let's start off, with, I guess, with your original take on it, which was, you know, if you sweat the small stuff, then the big stuff never really becomes big. Right. How, how does that work, like, in a, well, I don't know, like, if you want to use, like, a real-life example, or maybe just, like, in a imaginary hypothetical? Well, I've based my life on preventative rather than cause and effect, as you've seen for years and years and years. Okay, so, like, proactive instead of reactive. Correct. Okay. So... When the kids were going to school, I already had in my head what I was going to do when the small fights start so it doesn't become an escalated situation in school. Mm-hmm. I already had in my head how to deal with homework situation, kids think, and they're not going to do homework and crap. And rather than having it turn into a big fight, I've already got measures in place to make sure that the small little inconveniences that they're going to come up to me with and say, but dad, but dad, but dad, aren't an issue. We deal with them right there. Therefore, it never becomes a big fucking argument. Okay. What's your take? What, like following your your formula, you mean, of like sweating the small stuff first? Or, or, or just your formula that you've used in the past for dealing with the small stuff so it doesn't become the big stuff. Well, I mean, something that, you know, I, I was talking to my ex-wife about this evening was how, like, 
she used to have a lot of trouble with me in, in the sense that like when something big came up, it's like, well, I, I really didn't stress out about it right. because it's like, well, it's big, it's coming. The question isn't like, you know, how are we going to get emotional about this? How are we going to like stress about it? It's a case of like, what are we going to do to deal with the fact that this is coming? Right. Right. Like for me, that's not sweating. That's just like, okay, let's just take this fucking thing as it comes. Cause we're not going to stop it. We're not going to avoid it. Right. We're going to get hit by it. So let's, if we're going to sweat anything, it should be our own preparedness, not the issue on the table. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I've been largely unaffected by catastrophe, emotionally speaking, most of my life, because I mean, even childhood, it seemed like it was one fucking shit storm after another, but my old man, he never really stressed out. It was always a case of like, okay, well, you know, I didn't get paid when I was supposed to. We got nothing in the bank. Well, let's just get fucking creative in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, he took the big stuff really like in a matter of fact kind of way. You separate, separate out the emotion. What's left is just cold, hard fact. Facts you can work with. Emotions, they get in the fucking way. Now, I'm not saying I don't sweat anything because I certainly sweat the small stuff. And like I, I had said how like the small stuff you have more influence over, right. which I, I think is like one point where we're completely in agreement, right? Because, I mean, you figure if you influence the small stuff effectively, then, you know. There will be no big relevant stuff from yeah, it. It stays with. small stuff. Right. And like, yeah, I, I think if you're going to sweat anything, that's exactly where you should be sweating. And not not just to keep the small stuff from becoming big stuff but also because like listen like we we all are prone to at some point having an emotional outburst or irrational moments or irrational phases you know that that's part of the human experience right absolutely if you need to get that shit out of your system getting it out of your system with little things that don't really have a huge impact in your life that's probably the best time to let emotions get into the mix yep. because even if they're counterproductive, counterproductive to what? Nothing that really ultimately matters in a big way right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's sort of like how I deal. You know, I've, I've gotten it out of my system up front. So whereas like your approach seems more like avoiding letting small logistical issues turn into big logistical issues. I, I guess in a way I employ the same formula because I... I indulge myself in small emotional things so that I don't need to indulge myself when there's something big on the table. Right. There becomes no big emotional battles. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I think we can apply this uh, approach. I mean, like, or I guess these approaches, sorry, I did, I, I did that weird thing with the word again, approaches. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck I do that. But yeah, we can apply these approaches to like any number of things in life. It's not just like, oh my God, like how am I going to pay the rent or the mortgage? Or, oh my God, my car is broken down and I've got no cell reception. And I think after a while it becomes a lifestyle. It, it, it does, right? Like I, I remember years ago, back when I was still like a, a church goer, um, there was actually something kind of smart that I remember hearing from the pulpit. And... Um, Basically, the the pastor had asked for a show of hands. He says, like, you know, how many people in in the church today know how to meditate? And maybe like and two. You're or, sure he said meditate, not masturbate. 
No, if he was masturbating, he would have just been sort of jerking it under his robe behind the pulpit or whatever. But no, he definitely said meditate. I'm pretty okay. sure he did. But yeah, he asked for a show of hands. Like, how many people know how to meditate? And maybe like three hands went up out of like a couple hundred people that were in the church. Wow. And then his follow-up question was, okay, show of hands. How many people know how to worry? Every single hand in the in, in the place went up. And he says, well, then you all know how to meditate. He says, you've just been med meditating on the negative. That's all worry is, you know? Yeah. And I, I think like in, in a way that sort of like, it, it ties into sort of what we're talking about, right? Because I mean, like the emotions that they get into things, the stress, the worry, the anxiety, we're basically meditating on the negative when we indulge emotionally, when there is a serious issue on the table. Right if you're going to sweat anything it should be like a positive sweat like sweat through like working towards a goal not sweat in the sense of like because i think like the context of the saying is like don't don't worry don't stress about the small stuff right yeah yeah i i would say it's probably counterproductive to stress about stuff of any size but if you're going to to dedicate any amount of your mental or emotional capacity to it it should be like well, if we're going to get emotional, let's get ourselves all fucking pumped up. Let's like have a family rally. Woo. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah, the, that's the emotional approach we should be taking. But how often is that the case? No, it's okay. Everybody cower behind your bunkers and start to worry about this incoming influx of emotion and overwhelming grief. And oh my God, our life situation is so fucking hard. Oh my God. How do we deal with this? Well, and, and then somebody brings up that magic question. You know, and I don't think the question in itself is a bad thing. I think the tone of voice in which it's asked is everything. Right. There's a big difference between, oh my God, what are we going to do? And mm -hmm. okay, what are we going to do? Absolutely. Ask the fucking question, but ask it the right way and yeah. follow through on the fucking answer. Mm -hmm. And, and, and whatever, whatever logistics happen to come in, make room and allowances for that shit. Cause that's still small stuff. That's still going to pebble in when you, even if you've got a plan. Oh, absolutely. And what I meant by earlier is when you make it a lifestyle, I now work on a very permanent basis of proactive rather than reactive because I did it for so long with my kids. I had no way to know how to do this. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. When I came in off the streets, I had no idea. The only, my idea of being proactive was fucking punching the other guy in the face before he hit me mm -hmm. to okay, now i got to change my whole outlook and work on things so situations don't get too big for me to handle because now I'm raising kids on my own. So through practice, trial and error and moving stuff around and learning to deal before the moment, that moment very few times actually arose. Well, and it's I'm interesting sure that, you, that, that you put it that way because, like, sorry to cut you off, but I, I think that, like, we both sort of adopted that approach. Mm -hmm. Like, with you, it's, like, you know, learning how to avoid like a logistical consequence that you don't know that you're capable of dealing with if it's too big. Right. For me, it's like anxiety, panic, um, like the kind of outbursts that come out of that. Like I can't control myself in that big moment, but I can certainly avoid getting to the moment. Right. I don't, I don't even worry about those moments anymore with my OCD and my PTSD. I don't even worry about those moments anymore because though it, you know, there are times where I'm by myself and I lock myself in the house for days and I don't mm -hmm. go out and such. I'm still in my mental faculty and I've got myself to a situation now where as long as nobody's there antagonizing me, I can stop myself from going out and, and reacting to shit violently. I can stop myself from thinking about shit that I'll, that 
just puts my head over the top where I feel I have to go out there and just get into a fight. Win, lose, or draw, it doesn't matter. Just exert all that extra shit violently, which I did for years. Yeah. So, you know, working working this way, definitely positive. And it's positive because we sweat the small stuff. Yeah. So there you go, motherfuckers. Sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Big stuff won't be there. <laughs> Comments, complaints, or insults? Get into the missionary position on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at missionarypod or send us an email missionarypod at gmail.com. So one of the the recurring themes on this show since episode one has been that you and I are not politically correct. Like we shit on political correctness. Like if anybody hasn't figured that part out about us by now, we tickle our ass with the tongue of political correctness. Yeah. Um, I thought let's take a bit of time to actually unpack maybe some of our reasoning behind this. Um, wanted to start off with a, with a quote I tripped a, a across. Um, by Stefan Molyneux. Molyneux, yeah. Those who make conversations impossible make escalation inevitable. You know, I mean, you're sort of dumping rules on each other on how to engage, how to talk, how to think, how to react, how to, how to, how to. Mm-hmm. You know, like that just seems like a recipe for frustration. Well, yeah, because it seems like everybody has their own how-to rules. And like I know you and I have discussed this at great length, both on the show and off. Right. Both of us have had discussions with people outside of the show. Smart oh, and stupid. You know, and like it's one of those things that keeps coming up. You know, people are very passionate about communicating either why they value political correctness or why they do not value political correctness. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if you and I could sit down and talk? And we'll find, uh, if there's a list somewhere online, what the actual rules of political correctness are. And then we can sort of like take them point by point and figure out whether or not they actually make sense. And you found a list? I did not actually find an actual list. Oh. And, and that was the frustrating thing. Because for something that is right at the core of existence in 2019, which is, you know, like how political correctness is heralded is, is like one of the great necessities of our age. Shouldn't it be easier to find out what the fucking rules actually are? Because mm-hmm. it's easy enough to call people out and say, well, you're not being politically correct, or that wasn't very politically correct, or some variant of that. Right. But if I decided, okay, you know what, AC is going to turn over a new fucking leaf today, <laughs> new year, new me, <laughs> okay. I'm going to be politically correct as fuck. How do I go about that? I don't know. So while I couldn't find an actual list of the rules of political correctness, I found kind of a tongue-in-cheek article at uh, rulesofpc.com. I, I think the the way this guy sort of broke down the the rules of or examples of political correctness, it was kind of funny. So uh, we'll put a link in this week's show notes, or you can just look it up for your fucking self, you lazy fat fucks, at rulesofpc.com. And you can read for yourself the parts that we don't cover. Mm -hmm. But I thought it might be fun for you and I just to sort of like go over a few of these and uh, yeah, see what happens. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. 
Okay. Do you, you want to do you want to pick and choose, or do you just want to go in order? How do you want to do it? I have put zero, literally zero thought into how this is going to break down. Which is what we usually do. Okay. So, um, yeah, fuck it. I'll start at number one, and whether or not you choose to go with number two or go somewhere completely different is up to you. All right. So rule number one: culture trumps abuse, except for white oppressor culture. <laughs> Okay, so the whites are still always the oppressors. Correct. All right. Well, then, because it went with white being the oppressor culture, I'm going to jump down here to number four. Okay. And it says, white culture is inferior to black culture. (laughs) Which totally contradicts. That seems to be the way it breaks down, though, in, like, everyday shit, doesn't it? Right. (laughs) Whites are the oppressors, but... They're the inferior culture. So if we're the inferior culture, why is everybody listening? Why does it have such a big impact if it's an inferior... I like how you say we as though either one of us is white. Um, we isn't in general. Yeah, okay. We're I both mean, mixed yeah. race. <laughs> so are we oppressors or oppressed? I'm so confused. We're self-damning. <laughs> oh, wait, no, wait. This might clear it up here. Okay. Uh, number six. There are only two races... Oppressors who are white and victims who are black. Wow. <laughs> so I can't be a victim of anything unless I have black heritage of some type. No, there's only two races, though. You're not white and you're not black. I, yeah, whatever. Hmm. I guess we get to, what, get a geo-free card? Okay, so white people, number eight... White people being oppressors are guilty, selfish, and arrogant from birth. <laughs> so I guess this would be the silver spoon in the ass rather than in the mouth. Something in the ass. <laughs> I hear 8A. Oh, um, an amendment. <laughs> White people are identified as a group. The group is more important than individuals. All are part of the whole and equally responsible for oppression. Regardless of individual circumstances, all are equally guilty of oppression. The principles of identity politics apply. Wow. So even as a street person, because of my skin color, I was looked at as an oppressor? Correct. Wow. If I knew I had that kind of fucking power back then, I would have been on the fucking streets. (laughs) You've been bottom feeding for no good reason. (laughs) Yeah. Holy crap. I've been a piece of garbage for fucking two-thirds of my life, and I don't even know what <laughs> So which one are you picking? I just did 8A. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> that means I got to do it. <laughs> okay. How about changing the color from black and white to green? Profit is exploitation. All profit is oppression. Evidently. <laughs> so a African-American justice of the peace who makes $70,000 a year compared to my... Whatever. Less which than is that. lower, less than. So then he's the oppressor. Well, no, because they covered that in uh, number 12. Uh, black people do, do not make profit and are trustworthy by definition. Wow. So if you live in an exclusively white neighborhood and there are no black people, that's where all the crime happens? Well, they covered that too. Because if black people appear racist or do wrong, it is because of mistreatment by their oppressors. Right. And like number 16 says to follow it up, black people cannot be racist towards white people. 
<laughs> and yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're jumping all over the place, but you got to read this shit, like seriously. Huh. <laughs> so how about we erase everything and go with number 19 that says behavior determines moral status and not outcomes. <laughs> Race trumps humanity because it defines everything. What number is that? 27. Race trumps humanity because it defines everything. Oh, so now we're getting into Trump. Like Donald Trump? <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> that was a good kick in the shorts. Okay. Okay, how about number 30? All Muslims are blacks. All Christians are whites. All Jewish people are whites. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think many of the world's Jewish people may disagree, but... Absolutely. But they're worse than being black or white. They're Jews. Yeah, because, well... <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. I didn't say that, dumbass. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, considering you, sprint, you, you, you paint all the same people with the same rattle can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 30B, which says all Jewish people are whites, evidently nobody told Hitler. <laughs> evidently. The Holocaust might not have happened. Had he just had that little tidbit of information? <laughs> well, the internet wasn't the thing back then. At least not as big of a thing. Well, I, I think 31 pretty much sums it up, which is that all people are not equal. <laughs> Some are more human than others. A hi hierarchy of privilege based on guilt and oppression applies, going from the most guilty and least worthy of social respect, legal protection, status, or respect. The hierarchy automatically reflects the degree of fault and incorrectness in anything said by each grade going from total fault and worthlessness to the absolute correct and valuable. It represents a sliding scale of human worth from the least human to the most worthy and best type of human. Questioning this hierarchy or any of its precepts is a racist act. Holy crap. And then there's, there's a list from A to H. <laughs> A is old white male, B is middle-aged white male, C is young white male, D is old white female, E is middle-aged white female, F is young white female, G is white female child. The above are all white oppressors, guilt, or guilty and racist from birth. And then H is the kicker, which says all people of color are black by definition. Black includes Muslims. I bet you they don't fucking think so. <laughs> but does not include all Christians or other major religious faiths. Whites who have converted to Mohammedism do not qualify as they are genetically guilty and racist from birth. <laughs> Holy twisted bullshit. Okay, I think we end up in the shit abyss of this fucking nonsense for, like, the next fucking four days. Yeah, hell yeah. But, um, hopefully this guy's, this gives you guys a little glimpse into, like, why we shun political correctness. Because though this list is very tongue-in-cheek, it does, I think, capture the spirit of, like, how we see political correctness. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want to check out the rest of this list... Actually, it's... let me just butt in here just for a quick second. Because I would like... There are two closing statements we have to make for this segment. And that's number 35 and number 36. Because number 35 says the laws of PC cannot be interpreted by white people without the approval of a black person. So any white person reading this has to understand that. 
And then 36 says the laws of PC must not be written down or codified to avoid the danger of further oppression from white people. So to close off the segment, <laughs> I think those two are absolute necessities. Okay. So if any of you guys want to check out the rest of this list, and I strongly recommend you do because it's quite well put together and a good laugh, check out rulesofpc.com. So there's something I actually want to talk about. I want to talk about accusations. I didn't do it. Is there a good point to an accusation? Because thinking about it for the last little while, I haven't found any positive to an accusation, and people are making them all over the place. I think there's there's two types of accusations. And I think there's a, a lot of people say, well, like there's an accusation and there's a false accusation. Those are the two categories that they mm-hmm. would go with. I, I don't necessarily go that way. I think that... Um, the, the, the two types of accusations that I see are justifiable accusations mm-hmm. and accusations that are not justifiable. Okay. My continuation is going to be about false accusations, but... Okay. Well, then I, I derailed your train a little bit early then. <laughs> <laughs> so to continue on, though I could find no justifiable reason for an accusation, period... Think something that drives me through the fucking wall is the amount of false accusations that are out there. Did I say in the wall? I I'm, think you did say in the wall. I meant up the wall. <laughs> okay. In the wall. I was sort of picturing like when you get punished at grandma's house and she puts you in the Murphy bed and then folds you into the wall. <laughs> Wake up with like a handprint in the fucking drywall. Or a handprint um. on my ass. <laughs> of course, my grandma was a little bit more friendly. She used to fold herself into the wall with me. Oh. She might have been wrinkly and saggy, but oh, never mind. That's she a different definitely story. insulated you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your opinion on false accusations? How would you define a false accusation? Accusing somebody of something that we do not know is a fact yet. Or we know isn't a fact. One of the two. Yeah, the reason I asked is because like if if I'm gonna think of like a false accusation, I would think a false accusation is something where you accuse something of something that you know for a fact they are not guilty of. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could accuse somebody of something that they're not guilty of, but maybe you've got good reason to think that they've done it. All the evidence seems to point towards them doing it, but it turns out that you're wrong. I think if you knowingly accuse somebody of something that they didn't do, that's fucking greasy, man. Like, I don't know what else to say other than I think it's a fucking shitty thing to do. But it happens everywhere in society today. Well, you certainly hear more and more stories of it these days. And most people are, oh, it's okay. Oh, well, they they just made an error. It, it's not enough to dismiss it as somebody made an error. I mm-hmm. think, like, if you're going to point the finger at somebody and say, you're guilty of blah, mm-hmm. you make damn sure you got your fucking ducks in a row before you start pointing the goddamn finger. For me, I don't like making accusations I would rather ask questions and try to, like, find my way to the truth. You know, to me, it might look as though you're guilty as fuck of a certain something. Right. But it doesn't matter, like, how much things seem to point towards you being guilty of this thing. I'm still not going to 
point a finger at you and say, yes, you are definitely guilty of it because ultimately I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think that there's like, I can't say that there's no harm in asking questions because sometimes just the nature of the questions will cause. No, they can fuck up people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I mean, like if it's a case of like there's smoke, you need to determine whether or not there's fire. Right. And I think sometimes whether or not there's a risk to uh, another person's character or reputation, you have a moral obligation to chase down the truth. Right. And you know, I, if, if you know somebody's doing something and you know that they're guilty of something, but you can't quite prove it, honestly, if you follow them around long enough, you're going to get proof. Sure. So keep your mouth shut until you can walk up to somebody and say, here it is. Well, I mean, if I catch you with your hand literally in the cookie jar and there's cookie crumbs on your fucking mustache, mm-hmm. I can safely say you've been eating my cookies. No, seriously, I had a cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Like, that's the time for an accusation. It's got to be that fucking obvious in order for me to feel comfortable accusing. Right. You know, it can't be a case of, well, so far as I know, you and I were the only ones here in the house, and I know I had nine cookies, and now there are only seven. You're definitely the cookie thief. How the fuck do I know that you didn't, like, you know, uh, forget the door unlocked and your kid didn't come over looking for you and just help himself to a cookie in your absence. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't know what the fuck was going on. There's two of us that don't know what the fuck is going on. Right. The only thing we know for sure is that there's two cookies unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. That still isn't enough evidence for me to like justifiably say you're a cookie thief. Right. I mean, unfortunately in life, these accusations, especially recently, it's, it's not over things as, meaningless as as cookies i mean i I, and and i want to add a disclaimer here i understand that the overwhelming majority of sexual assault allegations are justified and true that being said that minority of cases where it is a false accusation Mm -hmm. that is one of the fucking shittiest most abhorrent things that one person could do to another Right. It's deliberate character assassination. And I don't care how much you dislike a person. It doesn't justify you telling lies about them. Mm-hmm. And it's not limited to those situations, but. Oh, certainly not. You know, oh, I saw, I saw that person beat this person up just because they want them to get in trouble. Well, a, a lot of times too, it's like. Or like a, a, a spouse, not necessarily because guys do it too, but you know, punching himself in the eye and saying, Oh, look, they hit me. Yeah. And both spouses do it. Don't get on us about fucking, oh, you're woman haters. No, no. Both spouses do it. Well, so, when you say spouses, I mean, like, I'm not going to even assume that this is a man-woman relationship. Maybe it's, like, two women. Maybe it's two dudes. Right. It's two spouses. Two people together. Yes. This is a right. gender-neutral conversation, you fucking judgmental cunts. Right. See, I'm jumping to conclusions. No, you're not. They're judgmental cunts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm accusing you. <laughs> Doesn't feel good, does it? Maybe it does. It's prickly in my bum. <laughs> you say pickly? Prickly. Okay. Because it was pickly. I got to go see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only dill that's been up there is yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just. Oh, I, I guess before I, I, I start derailing your train here and moving on, like, is there anywhere else you wanted to go with, with the accusation thing? Well, something else I wanted to look at was how can. How, and I want to hear your opinion on what 
we as a society can do to better ourselves to like, I've got my ideas and I will share my ideas, but I'd like to hear yours first because last time you put me on the spot and then fucking fed off my gravy train. So this time I'm going to do it to you. Okay. (laughs) So in your opinion, what can we do as individuals for the most part, short of just the obvious, you know, fucking, if you know somebody's full of shit, call them on it. Okay. What can we do to try to stop this fucking horseshit? You know, I, I don't feel like I'm really being put on the spot in a difficult way here. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly, I, I think, straightforward answer. Right. But I just wanted a gravy train afterwards to ride it out. Okay. Uh, essentially, this is a case of if you hear somebody making an accusation, you have, a, I think, a responsibility. It, this is assuming that you want things to get better in the broad sense. I think that was the, the tone of the question, right? Yes. I think you have a responsibility to ask, okay, why are you making this accusation? What evidence do you bring to the table? Is there anything here other than opinion and conjecture? And, you know, even if it's a case of, like, you've got a bunch of people that share your opinion, that's still just a bunch of opinions. I want to know, like, can you demonstrate that what you've accused this person of doing is true? Because if not, then you can fuck right off. I mean, come back when you've got something substantial. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look at it from there because I, I think that that's a meaningful first step because it'll cause people to, to take pause for thought. Okay. Like before I bring this to the table, do I have my ducks in a row? Mm-hmm. Can I demonstrate this? Is there a good reason for me to, to hurl mud? If not, maybe I should keep this to myself until I know what the fuck I'm talking about, mm-hmm. or maybe bring in a trusted individual and have them help me look into it. Either way, we're not just like, going public with this thing right away is like, hey, guess what? So-and-so is guilty of this thing. Everybody, come, listen, listen, please. I've got news. Because, I mean, all that to me Let's is like... put the witch on the fire. It, it's dramatized fucking gossip at best in that situation. Right. I think the, the flip side that I've already t- touched on, where it's just like, you know, whereas you don't want to be a receptive audience to this sort of nonsense, I don't think you want to be an overzealous broadcaster of this shit either. If you don't know what you're talking about, well, then don't fucking talk. Right. You know, to ride my gravy train, because <laughs> you gave me a whole bunch of shit there to add on to what you just I'm said. I'm really craving gravy now. Yeah, I know. I'll jerk off in a minute for you. I said gravy, <laughs> not gavey. Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, I think my earphone's fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> Once somebody brings it up to you, allow yourself to use that train of thought. Follow it out. Don't follow your fall. My friend on Facebook said this person did that. Therefore, it must be true. That gossip train does nothing but get fucking everybody in trouble. Especially on fucking social media. Social media is a breeding ground for argumentum ad populum. And bedbugs. Yeah, that too. But uh, argumentum ad populum, for those of you who are unfamiliar... Basically, it's a logical fallacy. It's an argument from popularity. The easy breakdown of it is something like this. is that you're operating under the the, the premise that because an idea is popular, that it must be true, which is not usually the case. Right. That's literally the entirety of the the Latin that I know. I just wanted to sound (laughs) smart for Uh, once. Fair enough. Is it over now? We're done. I'm feeling pretty dumb. (laughs) I think we're we're wrapped up in total. Thank you for listening. This is and always will be a politically incorrect version of the Missionary Position Podcast. Mission Studios, the Missionary Position Podcast, their employees, or its entertainers are in no way comparable for anyone being butthurt, slighted, or in any way offended. 
If you as a human being cannot accept that something may sound like a close resemblance to your situation and not be totally about you in your little remnants of an existence, that is your issue. And again, not the responsibility of the studio, podcast, employees, or its presenters. Send your opinions, hate mail, boob pics, full nudes, ideas, or questions in the form of an email to missionarypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at missionarypod and like us on Facebook at Missionary Position Podcast. If you are so inclined to help this broadcast get better, or just wish to help out, our Patreon account is patreon.com slash missionarypod. 